1: It's that time of the week, ladies and gentlemen, time to look at the winners and the losers and who's been the most plankish. It's Plank of the Week. Welcome to Talk Radio TV and Plank of the Week. I'm Mike Graham and I'm delighted to say that for the very first time and we've got Claire Fox. In the studio with us, who's going to be giving her uh, version of Plank of the Week? Claire, very warm welcome to you. Thank you for joining us, and I'm sorry it's taken us so long to get you here.
2: I'm quite anxious actually because I because I kind of watch it, and now I'm on it. <laughs> and now you're on it. Well, don't do what
1: Jay Zwell did, which was to nominate himself. Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan is here, uh, a veteran of the uh, of the team, and of course uh, he'll be able to talk you through any problems that you might have. I think Kevin, we should give Claire first dibs, absolutely, the, given that she hasn't done it before. So Claire, glasses on, serious. Glasses on, serious.
2: Give us your first plank. My plank is Antonio Guterres, who is the UN Secretary General. Yes. Now, I was thinking about doing Just Stop, o- Just Stop Oil, right. those protesters, but I was irritated when Guterres said this. Climate activists are sometimes depicted as dangerous radicals, but the truly dangerous radicals are the countries that are increasing their production of fossil fuels. Oh, for God's sake. Now, we are in the middle of a serious emergency when it comes to not the climate but energy yeah. we've got enough of it and what i really think is that the countries who are um, producing any fossil fuel <laughs> should be celebrated and we need them to be producing a lot more absolutely but this idea of the un general secretary criticizing yeah. nations for having an energy policy when in fact if anything they haven't got a good enough energy no. policy. So, plank of the week for also, me. Also, doesn't he know there's a war on
1: in Ukraine? Oh, no. Well, I mean, which the UN have been incredibly silent about, haven't they? But it, Well, well but no, I'll... I'll tell
3: you what the UN has been doing throughout this war. It has been profoundly underestimating the number of civilians who have been killed mm. in the most horrible way. It has been actually sort of denigrating the war in terms of its seriousness right. by saying, oh, not, it's that not much of a war. I mean, we, we know thousands of people are dead in Mariupol alone. I believe that the UN is only, uh, in the entire country up to a few hundred right now. So I'm not quite sure why it's doing that. Uh, But uh, I agree with Claire entirely. In fact, she nicked my idea to nominate (laughs) the same guy. Uh, But uh, a very good choice because when did the UN become this hectoring organisation lecturing the world about climate
2: change? That's not what it's there for. And also, I think, you know, countries... I mean, I'm a big fan of sovereignty. Yes. And the idea that the UN stands above countries Mm. and treats them like naughty children for, um, as he says, you know... As long as uh, it's not Russia or China, obviously. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's what's so ironic about It's like the one thing in the world that you want countries to assert their Mm. ability to have an energy policy is now... By the way, fossil fuels... Can I just say, they're the opposite plank of the week. Mm. I, it drives me mad that fossil fuels have been treated as though they're an immoral sinner. Yes. And actually, fossil fuels are neutral and actually very necessary. We need to have fossil fuels but Even saying, I like fossil fuels, because I think they create energy, is enough to get you cancelled in (laughs) this day and age. Don't get that on
3: a t-shirt. I (laughs) I
2: often tell this story.
1: I often tell this story that I moved into a house in Wiltshire once and discovered that there was a coal bunker that we hadn't known was there before. Found this coal bunker full of coal, right? (laughs) put coal on the fire. I was like, this is brilliant. This is unbelievable. (laughs) It was so hot and so economical. You didn't need more than about half a dozen, you know, lumps of it to keep the house really hot Mm -hmm. for the entire evening. Well, it's it's, fantastic. But it's also worth reminding ourselves
3: that when we in Britain, or Boris in particular, starts polishing his halo and saying, look how much we're doing to save the planet. This country produces less than 1% of the world's pollution. China, for example, produces 28%. Yes. It's Yes, got 1,082 coal-fuelled power stations. It is currently building at least 300 more and it has just, <laughs> it <is> just <laughs> it's
2: instigated so, a project to explore for more also, coal... Uh, well, as AMS... Hurrah for China on that thing only, because if you're a developing country mm. and you want to have an industrial policy and you want to drag people out of poverty, I mean, I'm mean, i not trying to say this in relation to China, because it could be India, mm. right? You need fossil fuels. <laughs> fossil fuels are the power mm. through which economic growth happens, Absolutely. and that's prosperity yeah. and that's wages, and that's the opposite of peasant economies where you're dragging around in mm. dirt and yeah poverty. Well this and is the thing for in the India people now want air conditioning
1: machines and they now want cars and they now want fridges. I mean it's outrageous you know. really isn't it. Isn't what it gave them the idea that this was a good idea? But these climate nutters right what they say is no well, don't worry about that we'll just give you a load of money. Um, you won't have to use fossil fuels but we'll actually pay you not to use fossil fuels like we're supposed to be subsidizing their country give over and also who thought it was a great idea in Europe? to stop using their own fossil fuels and buy it all from Russia. Basically the Germans. Well done, guys. (laughs) Top uh, idea, that was. Why
3: why does China have this policy? Why does India have a policy? Russia, Brazil, even Australia, by the way. Why do they 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 concentrate on fossil fuels? Because it provides very cheap energy for the people. And we in this country are now finding out what it means when you abrogate fossil fuels. When you say, no, 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 no coal. Don't get anywhere near us. It costs you a fortune. And uh, the people can't afford it here, they can't afford it in China, they can't afford it around the world. You're right, Claire. we've got to uh, recalibrate our attitude to fossil fuels and start seeing them as an asset, not the kind of devil's work. Yeah,
1: absolutely right. I mean, I had to laugh this week where a a broadcaster whose name I shall not mention because he's from another place, uh, (laughs) I've started using this. (laughs) The other place. The other place. (laughs) Um, He has an electric Audi, right? drove it from Beverly in Yorkshire oh, down that, to Tunbridge, yeah. right? It took him, I think, 11 hours because every time he stopped to, to refill the, the, the charge, there was somebody else at the thing. So he had to wait, like, a couple of hours, and that's the trouble. You can't, and Sky did this as well. They drove from London to Glasgow and tried to do it in an electric car. It took 15 hours because yeah. you pull into a place, there's three um, electricity um, power outlets. Two of them don't work. One of them's got
2: somebody there. you got to sit there. None of us are opposed to innovation, I'm into all sorts of energy sources being looked at. But the idea that we close down certain energy sources on the basis that they're immoral... Mm. With this sort of threat that if you go down this route, we're going to destroy the planet. What we're doing is we're destroying the living standards and the, mm. the and the and the wealth that you need to be innovative. That's what's so ironic. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have innovation and change in relation to new energy sources, you need to have a thriving economic yeah. base. Yeah. But well, of course we're as cowardly because we outsource it. You know, as long as we're not doing that yeah, dirty yeah, old fine. coal. That's You know. Fine. Uh, yeah. uh, but what about the, the? You know,
3: for example, you're right. Our, our energy policy. <laughs> based around slogans and words, yeah. you know, so it's renewable, therefore it's good, you know. So you have uh, in Yorkshire the <coughs> Drax power station, yeah, yeah. which used to be a backup power station for when the wind turbines, when the wind wasn't blowing and the sun wasn't shining, so they had to go back to old-fashioned power sources, i.e. gas. Of course, gas is not a renewable, therefore they, good, they, 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 they converted the Drax uh, power station from gas to wood-powered, and now that we have and to bring all the wood from ship Canada, in millions <laughs> of tons of wood from all over the world, really in an environmentally way, uh, in an environmental way, and then uh, we fire all this stuff up. That's our backup power source, and it Bellows, tons and tons and tons of pollution into the atmosphere, far more than gas ever would. There you have it. The insanity of our energy policies summed up. I think that's absolutely right. It's a good start, though. What's your first plank? I'm going to go for a guy called Paul Fotheringham. Oh, yes. He is the president of the Police Superintendents Association. Uh, he's just taken over this job and he's come up with a great idea. He's uh, decided that uh, since every other public sector worker seems to work from home, so the police should work from <laughs> home. <laughs> he wants coppers to work from home. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Even I mean, all. I mean, <laughs> I, I could go into uh, the pitfalls of so this mad. scheme, but it's just clearly insane. Uh Officers need to go into the police station, they need to have a briefing every day, they need to have senior officers, they need to have discipline uh, and uh, Fotheringham says that one of the great things about uh, working from home is it will make the police a more attractive career, a more attractive place to work and therefore we'll get a more inclusive police force that is more representative of the community. Do you want to know about something that I couldn't care less about, couldn't give a rat's backside about whether or not the police force is inclusive and representative of the community. What I'd like the police force to do is to start solving burglaries, to start investigating when I get beaten up in the street. Also, I don't care
1: if it's not an attractive job.
3: Yeah, Do you? No, I don't. No, exactly. Do the job. Crime, fight crime, make the streets safer, do your
2: damn job, stop thinking about yourselves and start thinking about the public you're supposed yeah. to serve. But think about the whole madness of this. They're saying we will be more representative of the community, but we'll all be sitting at home and the community will never see us, so we no. will <laughs> know, right? I mean, one of the things that the community wants is more community policing, isn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah. the one thing that everybody and anybody wants, it's not, it's not that they're kind of checking how many ticks box box identities you've Mm. got represented in the... There are no police to check. No. I mean, you want to be able to see them walking around. And the way that policing has always worked, certainly at a local level, is that you kind of know. And and this is not like going, I want to go back to the old days of Dixon, of Doc Green. I'm just saying... That's how you find out intelligence. You find out who the the bad guys are. People say to you, do you know there's something You go, You know, it's all that sort of thing. But also you get to know Mr and Mrs Smith. You know, they've got a few problems. They've got kids. You keep breaking the window. You know, you kind of, Community policing. Yeah. They you're, are abandoning and if you're villain the villain now,
1: community. If you're a villain now, I would imagine you don't fear the police because you never see no. them. Well, the of chances not, of you getting caught are so remote now, and even if you do get caught, the chances of you getting uh, actually yeah. convicted are also remote. Was it six percent or something? Yeah, the vast of crime? majority of crimes are never six percent of crime ends up being solved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that means ninety-four percent of it doesn't.
3: Yeah, and the reason that lots and lots of crimes don't get solved is because they don't get investigated in the first place. Yeah. Excuse me, officer, I've had my car stolen. So what? Yeah. I've yeah. been beaten up in the streets. So what? Yeah. Uh, my wife's been raped. Oh well, we, we won't bother with that yeah. because that's difficult to prosecute. The other thing this guy uh, Fotheringham said, which, which well, forces he with this guy. Uh, well, he, he he used to be uh, the chief superintendent okay. of Kent, right. but he's now president of this uh, body of, you know, uh, chief superintendents generally, right. and he. He, he, the other thing he said, well, we have to come up with these kind of ideas like working from home, uh, because of course, in the public sector, we can't offer such attractive job packages what? as they come as they in cobbles? the public sector. Pu- pu- in the private sector, and you think, hey, Mr. Fotheringham, where have you been for the yeah. last
1: 20 years? Well, that used yeah. to be the case, didn't it? The idea of public service was that you got a relatively low-paying job, but it had good Great conditions. Great pension and job security. A yeah. really good pension, and you could probably retire, yeah. certainly in the police, yeah. you could retire new police officers. When I was growing up, who were retiring at, like, 50. Well, they still do. Right?
2: Well, without idealising it, there was some sense of public service. Mm. I mean, you know, I've been on the wrong end of, uh, of the police a fair bit as being sort of like the kind of person who'd go out on you know, picket lines and demos and so on. So I'm not trying to in any way kind of go, what lovely people they are. But they had a sense of what their job Mm. was, right? And they were, in many ways... you know, they represented the state and Mm. there was an authority there and we know that that's collapsed. But you've got two different things going on because it did strike me that one of the things that they will be able to solve crime sitting at home because a lot of what they consider to be crime is, for example, people putting out hateful tweets. So you can do that from anywhere, right? They're probably, as we speak, going through the Twitter feed of this, uh, you know, of of talk radio going, oh, hate crime, hate crime, hate hate crime. crime, So we've given them these mad jobs of what we see crimes are (laughs) On the one hand, you can do them from home. But on the other hand, there's an authoritarian side, by the way, which is, you know, yesterday we were discussing um, live facial recognition technology that's Mm. being brought in under the auspices of the College uh, of Policing. Their guidance, no legislative scrutiny at all. And they're basically saying that they can put you on a database of facial recognition if you're a witness or if you're a victim or if you're an associate of somebody that they think may cause harm in an area. Oh my god! Well, so, so they can keep that on file, and they, and they can keep it on file. And um, this facial recognition. But I, one of the things was we just got rid of this um, non-hate, what is it, non-crime hate incident yes. database. Right. well just about got rid of it because this was College of Policing as well, and now they're basically saying that it's a crime to as somebody. Never mind the hate bit; it's non-crime harms are now justification for the police to be keeping surveillance and tabs on you. So you've got a kind of weird thing. They're more authoritarian on the one hand, more scary, the way they treat it. But actual criminal
1: activity, no.
2: Actual criminal activity, Nowhere to be Also, do this whole nonsense to... as well.
1: Sorry. sorry, this whole nonsense about working from home being more effective—it's not more effective for not certain if you're a jobs. Copper. Not if you're a copper, <laughs> but also not in my experience if you're somebody who's dealing with—I don't know—just a regular inquiry about an electricity bill or something. You're going to hear kids running around the background, dogs barking. Oh, sorry, we haven't got that database available. Well, get in the bleeding office then. And then working from home is a is a
3: scourge, hmm. uh, and co- you know it's, it's extraordinary what, what Claire was just saying. If you think about it, you know we have a whole generation of coppers. Who don't even raise an eyebrow that they're sitting there recording uh, uh, incidents that have the word "non-crime" yes. in them? Well, if it's a non-crime, <laughs> what on earth are the police involved for? It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, they might as well start looking at, uh, into people's kitchens yeah. and saying, "Well, you're making that the wrong way." i well, t- 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 well, I mean, I'm you know. sorry, but we're getting there,
2: right? We're getting there. I know. I mean, they are they are overly intrusive mm. into the policing of everyday life in a kind of micromanaging mm, way. Yeah. But the job of crime-busting, yeah, yeah. you know, or solving the odd crime, as you say. But I, I, the other thing that I noticed, I mean, I, I'd, I, on the occasions that I've actually uh, been the victim of crimes, the one thing they're very good at is sending you around a kind of victim support. Or they phone oh, yeah. you up and say, you're a victim of crime... Can we help? Yes. Do you want us to come round and talk to you? Yeah. And you go no, not really. I want you to so- find <laughs> the person who broke in. Yeah. But they, 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 everything is done in the sort of mode of yeah. modern therapeutic yeah. stuff, right? Which is to make sure you feel okay yeah. about it. But not to actually solve the pr- crime.
1: I actually got called in uh, for an interview after somebody nicked my shirts from the dry cleaners, which is a kind of bizarre crime, <laughs> very odd crime. How indeed. many shirts? Did you... About seven, and they were really nice <laughs> shirts. But apparently there's a this... report yeah. to the police. Well, well, of course, because I had to get the insurance. Or oh, something. yeah, right. I'm
3: with you. Yeah.
1: But they they took me in and they gave me this big long interview and said, how did how, how did you feel after the crime? I said, well, violated. I was, you know, I was a bit disappointed because it's one of my favourite shirts. I've never got it back. Yeah. And apparently there's a massive market in in like Burma. In places where they sell second-hand shirts, ah. but they're all in cellophane Ooh. and they're how all do we, nice shirts.
2: How do we have ideas offices there in Birmingham? We well, well, the Birmingham market <laughs> on a Saturday, like, yeah, you might find yeah. my shirts. <laughs> I'm looking <laughs> yeah. for, the, for the
1: red and white striped one, particularly. But anyway, that's another story. Uh, right, my first uh, plank of the week. Given that we're all under pressure, given that we have got um, you know cost of living crisis on our hands, given that we're about to pay uh, 1.25% more in um, our national insurance bill, um, what did the MPs decide to do? Uh, They decided to give themselves pay rise, £2,212 which makes their now basic salary £84,144 a year. Now, aside from the fact that I know all the arguments about, oh, they don't make those decisions, it's chosen for them by this independent committee. I mean, I'm not buying that for a start, because the first thing you do uh, if you want to have no responsibility is set up a committee. Oh, they told <laughs> us to have a pay rise. They didn't get one last year. Oh, great. Well, neither did I, actually. I mean, you are the first baroness we've had on the show. Um, I don't know what happens in the House of Lords, but, I mean, it seems to me that eighty-four grand and some of these MPs also put in massive amounts of expenses. I'm not going to mention that David Warburton guy, because he's clearly a complete and utter plank, but I wouldn't mind getting some of the expenses back in case he spent any of it on illicit substances um, and, and various other things that he was up to. He but has enormous people... amounts of defence, Mike. Well, I think defence is not the word he meant to use. He's got enormous <laughs> amounts of illegal class. No, oh, sorry, that's just a joke, obviously. Um, Boris Johnson and Sir Keir Starmer are apparently both against the pay rise, which shows you how much power they have and influence. I mean, I don't know how it works, um, Claire, but would you expect individual MPs, who I haven't seen any of saying this, uh, saying, look, actually, I don't want it? Don't give it to me.
2: I don't. I, I doubt very much. You see, if an individual MP did that, it really would be virtue signaling, wouldn't it? Because it's not like it would go into the public purse, as no, it were, right? No. I think that I don't. Really, I suppose you could donate it to charity. Well, though, you could you? do that, that, but then you'd be doing it so that people would see that mm. you would. Do, I mean, that's all I'm saying is, and yeah, then yeah, they you're telling everyone. No, but that's a cop out, isn't it? But but what I'd say is no. But I understand why people. I I know why you brought it up because. It, usually, I don't like the term optics, but there is just something distasteful. Mm. It's bad optics. It is bad optics. I mean, we're all bad when off. everyone is like, you know, really worrying. And and you you we'll all know people, and you you get people calling in both your shows, and I I know people who are genuinely really frightened of poverty probably for the first time yeah. i mean there's always been of course some very You're poor right. people but I i'm talking woman, about i had a woman
3: last night crying her eyes yeah. out because a retired nurse she said her husband's just died she's 69 she's uh, she's i really don't think i can do this i don't think i
2: can make and she's crying down the yeah, f- No.
3: and there are millions of people like there that there are
2: I mean. and, and people who were, who would not have considered themselves in the kind of poor brackets mm, exactly are really scared mm. and 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 don't like the, your call, I mean, just don't know what to do. They're desperate, so of course you're going to feel bitter. Now, I, I, I it has to be said on the Baroness front. Um, so the House of Lords, you don't get paid. You see, you get a daily allowance,
1: right. but you have to turn up is, for that, don't you?
2: You do have to turn up for it. But it's three hundred quid, right. right? So it's not nothing. But if you went in every day of being a Baron, if you went in every single day, yeah. you'd you earn about thirty-five grand. I mean, you know, in other words, there's lots of days when you're yeah. not like that. <laughs> right. So, but. Other people have jobs and then you get your daily allowance. With MPs, it's their job, mm. right? You can always say, I don't think MPs should earn that much. They're not worth it. And it's because we're so cynical about politicians. Mm. But what I object to is that they don't appear to be earning this money. I no. mean that in a way, why we're bitter is you wouldn't even think about it. If you thought they were doing a good no. job. No,
1: and also, also I mean, and there's a lot of unfairness in the arguments, and I know all that. And people will say, "Oh, but some of them do an awful lot of work in their constituencies." And some of them do, but some of them don't as yeah. well. And the point is, is that they're actually on recess at the moment when everybody else is at work. Exactly. Now, you feel. can tell me if you want that they're all working very hard in their constituencies, yeah. but they won't all be. And so, therefore, and they're also in receipt, I believe, Kevin, of an uh, uh, amount of money for their heating allowance. You know, yeah, when everybody else is struggling to pay their electricity bill and their gas bill, which has basically doubled and maybe tripled in a year, these guys are getting a subsidy for it, which is untenable, really. Because you know when you said,
3: Claire, absolutely, but when you said, Claire, that, you know, this is real, this cost of living crisis, you know, the worst since the 1970s. If you remember Rishi Sunak's spring statement a couple of weeks ago, it, it was quite evident that this guy has no concept of the fact this is real. He thought it yeah. was a, an opportunity for him to do a showbizy, dazzling mm. speech. Not one pence, not two pence, but five <laughs> pence. You know, it's like what is this, like
1: the X Factor or something? That was a crap. I think, wasn't it? I think. I think. I thought it's, at least if he'd ended up with fifty pence yeah, or something, yeah. but he ended up with five. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: but 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 to, with that, and I think Boris and I think half the cabinet, I think they really don't no. understand that millions of people are staring into the abyss here. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. totally. And, and it's p- after. To lockdowns you see yeah i mean first of all yeah. partly created by lockdowns not totally but partly created by the cost of what decisions were made by those people mm. about how closing down the economy for two years it's not good for the economy generally speaking yeah. right? i mean no productive activity so and then they sort of come back and obviously we know there are other factors but then part of the other factors is They haven't got an energy policy, right? So then we discover that that's a problem. So all of these things mean that I think that the bitterness about their salaries are to do with the fact that people feel very let down. Mm. And then when you're saying about people, the the realness of it for people, I think they've also had two years of lockdown, of uncertainty about their jobs. A lot of people have lost businesses. If they're freelancers, they lost a lot of work. So they were starting off nervous Mm-hmm. And now suddenly they yeah. really are thinking, I have not got
1: enough money. And this also feeds in in the end to what you were saying, Kevin. That they don't really have a clue because they're all insulated from it all. Yeah. You know, everything they do is basically paid for. The one bright light, I suppose, is that. Um, the downing street people have said they're going to freeze the additional ministerial salaries which is still quite substantial yeah. but at least they're not giving them a pay rise so that's yeah. something but you know everything you know i remember the good old days when we worked in fleet street and you could have i mean i don't get expenses now because they've more or less made it impossible to claim anything yeah. you know yeah. but there was a time when you could but these guys are claiming everything they're still claiming the
2: expenses stuff i think has always been highly controversial i mean the argument has been give them a uh, give them more pay mm and cover it all, yeah. do you know what I mean? Let them have underground, yeah. that's what you decide, right. I and mean, that might not go yeah. down well. Right. But then don't claim any expenses, because yeah. expenses, as anyone who's ever claimed them will know, are always a bit dodgy. Yeah, yeah right? give I an allowance, I mean, give we an all I I mean, confirm me- that. Let, no, let me tell you, I mean, I used to know people in the media, I've never I've worked for anyone where mm. that would, but I used to know people in the media, and I'd be up at things like the Edinburgh TV Festival, Eye watering what yeah. kind of expenses were available. Yeah. And 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 of course, politicians have had that. And like you said, the thing is, if you can put a claim in, you never really know what it feels no. like. No. You go, I've got to pay the bill. And I don't want to pretend I am worried about the cost of living, but it's not going to lead to penury mm. in my life, right? Yeah. But I know enough. People in my family and in my lives do, yeah. that are read and you know, when I talked to an elderly relative the other day, and she was saying, "I just couldn't get warm, but I put the fire on for half an hour." I'm thinking, "Oh my god!" Yeah, because I want to say, reality. and of course, the other thing is, you want to say, "I want to say, I'll pay, I'll pay." Yeah, stick it on all day, every day. She's pra- she's not having that. No, her whole family would help, but that's not the way it works. You yeah. see, people say, "I'm not, I'm not going to ask." No. This is a real problem. No, people
1: are ashamed of not being able to exactly, run their own home. Exactly, it's embarrassing. Yeah. You don't
2: want to be able no, to say, I not. haven't got any food. But this
1: is where the government's policies are wrong as well, because it's not for them to then subsidise people who can't afford to pay extortionate prices for something that should be cheaper. Exactly. That's my view. Exactly, yeah. And that's the first round of The Planks. We'll be back with more plankery after this. Welcome back to Plank of the Week with Kevin O'Sullivan, me, Mike Graham, and Claire Fox, uh, as I said earlier, the first Baroness to be here. Claire, who's your second plank?
2: I want to go for somebody who was a...
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. Work.
2: Fellow politician of mine, an MEP. Oh, yes. Guy Verhofstadt.
1: Oh, yes, I remember him. We don't hear about him much. We used to hear about him every week,
2: didn't we? The problem is, I still hear too much from him. Anyway, he basically said after the results of the Hungary election oh, came yeah. out, in which Orban won, he said, yeah. hate prevails over hope as a free but unfair election. A dark day for liberal democracy, for Hungary and the EU at a perilous time. How is it a free but unfair election? What's that, though? Well, I don't know. I think he, he, he can't accuse him of being unfree, <laughs> but anyway. But, but the point about it was, was that I, I just I really thought, this is incredible, isn't it? A lot of talk from the EU, from everyone else, about we support sovereignty of Ukraine, mm. right? And, yeah. you know, suddenly there's an election in an EU member state yeah. in Hungary and they all... Guy Verhofstadt's just one of many who yeah. basically say absolutely unfair mm. cheated yeah. how did he win yeah. and it's like he got voted for by the people of the Hungary thing, of course, and that, that everybody... is what democracy well, is like I actually You're heard a pundit the yeah. wrong people voted I actually heard it, got... a
1: pundit explaining this to somebody the other day um, on another another again in another place and he was like sort of the, the presenter was incredulous as he as he said, well, well, what is it that people like about this this victorial band? He said, well, he's very popular. Yeah. You know, a lot of people voted for him. A lot of people like what he's doing. Yeah. And the, the presenter was kind of shaking his head, going, but but, "But but how can that be? Yeah. Because he's all the things that we don't like. Exactly. And That's like, exactly well, what it is. Is that so, they
2: can't understand why it is. I mean, one one thing to say is it never ever is allowed to be that the opposition were rubbish. Yeah. And the opposition in Hungary were particularly rubbish, right? right? Because and they Orban were a combination, basically every good. single opposition party got together. Yeah. So that meant the Greens and the far right and everything in between, they all joined together yeah. and said, we're the opposition. And even they couldn't stop him, no. right? So what happened was, was that he's popular yeah, and he represents, I think, Orban a lot of his politics, not to my taste by any stretch, but he represents represents national self-interest of Hungary. And the people of Hungary agree with him. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's also interesting because um, I'm very interested in the, obviously in Ukraine, and a lot of people are saying he's Putin's puppet, and Mm. it is true that Orban is definitely not condemning Russia. No. And he's definitely not going full in, supporting... He has
3: condemned uh, Ukraine. <laughs> I mean, the thing <laughs> but is, no, that but, at but the but end of the day, he doesn't have about, to, does he?
2: But he doesn't have to. And yeah. it, but the other thing is, is that it is quite interesting because when I was in the EU, when I was in the European Parliament for that very brief moment as an MEP, Hungary and Poland were both treated like... Naughty children, humiliated at all times. They kept threatening threatening
1: them with pulling their
2: money, didn't they? Well, only a few weeks ago, the EU actually issued fines against Hungary and Poland Mm. for breaking the rules of the EU. Right. As Poland, fully behind Ukraine, was accepting... What is millions. it? Over a million, yeah. millions of refugees. So it doesn't really matter. They don't like the Polish uh, democratic decisions of the Polish people or the Hungarian people. And I think that it's just something about the double standards on sovereignty and the way that democracy these days is only considered to count if you vote the right person. Yeah. right? Yeah. And it just drives me mad. Absolutely. But
3: it's for Hosta and uh, uh, the EU... I mean, they've come up with this new concept that democratic decisions can be definitively wrong. Yeah. Well, actually, definitively, they can't... No, they can't. They cannot be. No. Uh, and yet the EU said, oh, well, you know, the, well, the thing about the Brexit vote is it was wrong. Yeah. It's a mistake. Yeah. You it all... shouldn't stand. Right. Uh, hence, we don't uh, agree with it. You know, uh, hence the same with, with Hungary yeah. uh, and... Uh, You know, Hungary is now an interesting country insofar as it's a member of NATO, but it supports Russia.
1: (laughs) It really is. Kevin, who's your second one? Uh,
3: uh, It's a story from a week ago, but uh, it's worth... It missed
1: the the cut, actually, on uh, on Planks last week because it didn't happen by Tuesday.
3: Yeah, so it's the Disney Corporation. It's actually the General Entertainment President and Director of Content, Carrie Burke... Uh, Good who, has <laughs> who has
2: announced? Who has announced? Blank. Doesn't my uh, name doesn't, doesn't translate uh, uh, to American?
3: She has announced that I've got to get these letters right. So that from now on, uh, at least 50% of all Disney fictional characters will be LGBTQIA.
1: Uh, Is it I, and a? That, when, when you we'll go, stop go to
3: I normally, a, 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 and when when you go, I, I have no idea what all those mean, <laughs> but there you go. It'll be the whole alphabet very yeah, right. soon, won't it? Um, and when you go to one of the Disney theme parks, uh, Euro Disney or Disney World or Disneyland, uh, instead of being greeted as uh, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, you will now be. Dren- greeted
1: as uh, dreamers and friends. Oh, my God. Because it's gender non-specific. You know, I didn't think of this until now, but what are they going to call the Magic Kingdom? Well... Because that's I- got sort of male connotations, <laughs> doesn't it? King.
3: The Magic non personage Dum. <laughs>
1: uh, but uh, it,
3: it, it's, it's... Disney, if they tale. carry on like this, so the, the thing that... You know, I mean, it's a private company. They're able to do whatever they want, but trust me, they're making a mistake. Yeah. They will discover that if you go broke, you're, if you go woke, you'll go broke. And the, the thing about the, their LGBTQI proposition, or 50% of characters will be LGBTQI or uh, from ethnic minority. That is not representative of real life. No, it isn't. So when the when the punters, when the public watch their f- movies, they will not relate to them. They'll go, hang on, I, I don't recognise this. And they won't like them. And Disney won't make any money. And they will discover all of these executives at what used to be the happiest company on earth, uh, that uh, while they were busy polishing their own halos, virtue signalling their wonderfulness to the world, uh, the consumers
1: stop being interested mm. in their products. Yeah, also, but... I'm not really worried about whether The Little Mermaid is,
2: you know, L, B, G, T, Q, I or A. <laughs> Are you? No, but the thing that is contradictory, <laughs> even it, even actually in what you, Kevin, said, was she says this is in order to represent the real world. Yeah. I think you're Disney. Right. There is no such thing as a mermaid. Exactly what are you talking right. about? I mean, it's like it may yeah, I mean, be. Like, point. They? I mean, Mickey Mouse or whatever. All I'm saying is that mice don't wear dresses and don't speak. I mean, like, it's like a, yep. it's a, it's an imaginative world. And, and one of the things that's been fantastic about Disney over the years is that for children and young people, well, and occasionally adults, you kind of watch these things and you're transported away into a world of make believe yeah. and wonder. Right. And actually, this. Absolute imposition of an ideology in into this yeah. is so destructive because now you're gonna have box ticking. Because you can't just be a writer no. and just say, look, I've I've thought of a thing, but well, I'm gonna write a story about a flying elephant, right? Mm. You know, with big I mean, like I mean it's a mad idea, isn't it? Mm. But it, then it works because it's dumbo and all the rest and it flies, but now they'll be saying, yes, but what's the gender acquisition? Yeah. You know, and yeah. are we making it's sure mad. anything it's totally you do mad. like that will destroy artistic creativity in a big way?
1: You've got to feel sorry for sort of children who haven't been born yet because <laughs> they're going to be watching this rubbish and going, what, what's this all about? Yeah,
3: well, Disney, I mean, the brilliant slogan used to be it was the company that produced films and theme parks for children of all ages. Yes. Very clever. Yeah. And Disney was the cleverest uh, entertainment corporation Mm. the world had ever seen. It worked out formulas, a formula for entertainment that not only worked in California and New York, it also worked in Britain, it worked in France, it worked in China. It worked all over the world. They understood the universal principles that unite humanity. Now uh, they are abrogating that, they're moving away from that and they're busy, as I say, polishing their own halos, saying, "Oh, there's going to be 50% LGBTQ." I, well, you know, that isn't what the world's no. like. And if people do not recognise reality, at least a semblance of reality in these products, they will not buy them. No. And uh, if Disney's not careful, it's going
2: to go broke. Yeah, I, thought, I, know. I, I, I thought when I listened to her, she was joyless, Condescending yeah. and talk about in a bubble. Oh, yeah. She had a wife talk well, to people, and this will make them more? Yeah, fun. She, she said the it in a way. I in, thought, uh, would, I thought the it was satire. Table. Yeah. You know, like when you're talking about. No, because I only talk By thought, the way, she's
3: got a trans daughter and yeah, a, uh, a non binary daughter. Yeah. yeah and, and I mean, she lives I, and in I California. We're, right? we're, it's well, also
2: the case that those poor kids, no disrespect to their wonderful mother, but you do think. That's not surprising, is it? it? No, because what you would do is you would, in order to conform almost to your mother's expectation of what an interesting person is, you couldn't just go, no. No. Actually, I'm just your daughter. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly I mean, it's right. It's too boring. You Do you mind? Can Periscope we just go, go watch a film? She's very
3: keen on, on bringing up her non-binary yeah. and trans daughter. Of course she is. You know, because it fits into her image of herself. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, you know, as I say, too many... Com- loads and loads of companies are doing this now. Uh, Absolutely. They're just... Uh, focusing on themselves, uh, on their own it's just a message, wonderfulness, their own virtue, and they and they don't care about the consumers. They are almost contemptuous yeah.
1: of the consumers. That way, uh, broke madness lies. Indeed. Uh, speaking of broke madness, the other way to break your company is to not be very good at what you do. British Airways, for me, second uh, plank, because they've been cancelling flights right, left and centre. And this is now something that the travel industry is doing. Uh, and I'm singling British Airways out, partly because they've got now such a history of being useless. I mean, it was only a week or two ago where their entire IT system fell over again so nobody could get on a plane. And people were turning up with their boarding passes and they were going, oh, sorry, we can't actually process your luggage. We can't actually get you to where you want to go. And they're now saying, oh, well, the thing is, you know, the travel industry's been on its knees for two years. Now it's really busy.
2: We can't cope. Well, it's like, well, why can't you cope? It's what you do. But it's also so frustrating because I remember throughout the kind of lockdown periods, I I, I constantly probably did it on on, on either of your shows at at some point, defending the travel industry, defending the airlines, saying this is terrible. They're going to be destroyed by this. They want to get back to work, I yeah. kept saying. Yeah. Stop bringing in all these travel restrictions. And then there's no travel restrictions, and they go, "But well, you can't fly anywhere. No, Rather because with, we, all we we the planes cope. are in the wrong place, and it's we haven't almost, got enough pilots. It's it's, it's it's an indication, though, what lockdown did. It's almost like people forgot how to do their job. Yeah, I think it's so. It's like, sort of like they basically forgot. It's like, Well, you're in airlines, you're yeah. meant to cope with this, right? I don't, I mean, and you're too busy. Well, this latest, is a good thing, I mean, you could have planned for yeah, Their latest right?
1: excuse is, well, it's, it's very busy because Easter
2: holidays. You're a travel co- you're an airline. No, no. What the hell do you think people want? But it's like, they it's, imagine that you can... Because people were so disappointed in, and, you know, constantly booking holidays that got cancelled because yeah. the government had changed the rules or some other government had changed the rules. Mm. It's almost like the airlines think that it is acceptable that you go to an airport to go on your holidays and they go, sorry... Cancelled. Yeah, it's not acceptable. No, it's really the not. The plane needs well, to go. People, you need to be. Well, on, yeah. on it. People, yeah, got, yeah, the staff got COVID. it And that's the other thing. Everyone's got COVID. And there are <laughs> We've yeah. sent them.
1: We've sent them all home. Why? There's nothing wrong with any of them. Anyway, yeah. we're yeah. running slightly late, so we're going to go uh, and take a little break here. I'm coming back. We're going to get the final round of the planks of the week. Welcome back to Plank of the Week with me, Mike Graham. Kevin O'Sullivan is here. Claire Fox is here as well. Kevin, I'll come to you uh, for your third uh, and final plank. Who is it? Uh, It's the NHS uh, on its website. It has uh,
3: declared that there are a number, nine new symptoms uh, that will indicate you've got COVID. Now, this coincides uh, with the end of free testing. So what the NHS, in my view, is uh, counting on is that people won't go and buy themselves tests. They'll just check the website. So uh, I'll just quickly read out uh, what uh, might indicate you've got COVID uh, or will indicate you've got COVID. High temperature or shivering, a new continuous cough, a loss or or change in taste or smell, shortness of breath, feeling tired or exhausted, an aching body, a headache, a sore throat, a blocked or runny nose, loss of appetite, diarrhoea, feeling sick or being sick. In other words, just about every minor ailment you ever get. So people will not buy tests because uh, they're used to getting free ones. So they will diagnose, they'll self-diagnose. And, you know, this this, this actually could be a hangover or something. It's great for train drivers. You have have nine pints the night before and you wake up in
2: the morning and you look at this and say, oh, I've got COVID. No, you haven't. you got a hangover. The thing is, the worst thing they're saying is, and if you have these symptoms, you shouldn't go to work. Exactly. So it basically gives the green light to, guess what? People who don't want to go to work. Not running flights, right? Yeah, exactly right. that's the problem. There will be a productivity crisis that is deeper than anything we face Mm -hmm. at the very time when we're in the middle of um, Mm. recessionary trends. Because you're basically saying to everybody who works, you don't need to go into work. You've now got an ample excuse. I mean, it's it's obviously the case that every single one of those symptoms, you know, I mean, you know, basically I've had COVID for the last year. Yeah. Because I have at various times had those symptoms, right? body, that means I've got it on a 24-7 basis. But I think it's so horrible because we are socialising young people Into saying, feel ill, don't move. We used to say, you know you feel ill, get up. Shake yourself down. I mean, you know, you only took time off. It's the
3: perpetuation. You were really poorly. I know. It's the perpetuation of uh, COVID neurosis. It is a massive problem here, and I think the NHS wants this to carry on, as you uh, said on your show this morning. Mike, Hampshire NHS is now uh, actively and openly pursuing the impossible dream of uh, zero, zero COVID. COVID. You know, it's not going to happen, and uh, this is a pernicious thing to do. We're discovering now that all we need to do two years ago was to actually say, if you get COVID, hard luck, uh, that's yeah, the way it just goes. Just carry on. Uh, carry on. Exactly on. right. Uh, Claire, that's what we're
2: doing now. Claire, your final plank? The blob at number 10. The blob. It, bit faceless. How list, is the Prime but Minister? We all, what <laughs> but, but we all know who we mean and the Prime Minister is definitely part of it. Yeah. So the government, in their wisdom, decided that they would introduce a conversion therapy bill. It was pointed out to them by anybody that would listen that actually, there is not examples of up and down the country, people being Mm. converted away from being gay or lesbian, that this would be used undoubtedly to attack and criminalise therapists who, for example, are working with gender dysphoric kids or young people and basically saying, consider that maybe you don't want to change your uh, gender and so on and so forth. They looked at the bill... They very sensibly got all the information together. They said, we don't need a law for this. We should drop it. They even, then we get the leaks which say, when we drop it, there'll be a massive backlash, but we've got to hold our nerve. We are not doing anything wrong. Anyway, that got leaked. Within 10 minutes, number 10 said. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, oh, uh, uh, we've changed our mind. We're bringing back the conversion therapy yeah. bill, uh, because lots of people in the trans community are up in arms and outraged and demanding that we bring it back. So they literally was like, I watched it happen in real Absolutely time. Absolutely hopeless. And then they said, but we'll bring it back, but we won't have trans in it, and that'll solve <laughs> the problem, right? Yeah. So they've managed to alienate everyone. Right. And I, I would well, just like, well, to, well I would like to say as well that included in this conversion therapy bill, which doesn't include trans... Um, it, which now makes it look like they are being bigoted, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They're implying that there is a problem of all around the country people trying to stop people being lesbian and gay. It's absolutely bonkers. Occasionally, occasionally, people who are gay say, I don't want to be gay because I'm a Christian. Yeah. and I mean, yeah, it's a bit bonkers to me. And they go to a prayer group. Yeah. Those people can now be done. So even though I'm an atheist... In defence of religious freedom, I don't, still don't yeah. want this It's
1: madness, absolute though. madness. I've got to stop because we're really Sorry. running out of time. My final one is Mayor Eric Adams of New York. Uh, I thought when Bill de Blasio left, it might return to some kind of normality. But this guy's insisting that kindergarten children under the age of right. five must continue to wear masks when they go to, to their little schools. But that's the end of the three rounds of plankery. We're going to come back and tell you who has won Plank of the Week. We've been so busy talking that we've almost run out of time, so we're going to have to do
2: this a little bit quicker than we normally would. Claire, tell us who your favourite plank is of your own. Number 10, Blob, because I can blame them for absolutely everything that we've discussed today because they're responsible for so much that's wrong in the world. Excellent.
3: Kevin, yours? I think I'll go for the uh, Disney Entertainment president, Carrie Burke, uh, who is steering Disney right down the wrong direction like the rest of Hollywood. uh, They're all going woke and they're all going to go broke.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with the MPs as well for their pay rise that they've given themselves, even though they go, oh, we didn't mean to. Right, so who's your favourite plank out of those? We've got the MPs, we've got the number 10, uh, Blob, uh, I'll call that Downing Street, and Claire from Disney. Uh, no, it's, uh, what's that, a Carrie Burke.
3: Sorry, Carrie, Carrie Burke.
2: Yeah. Claire.
3: Sorry, I don't know I've got Claire, Claire in my head. Blank. can we, <laughs> when right. I'm on? I, I think
2: really has to be Carrie, really. I think it does. I think it does. Burke of the Week. You couldn't make her up. Burke of the Week, Plank of the Week. Yeah. You've got a double title. I think it. that
1: wins, and we'll give you Downing Street's number two, give the MPs, just because it wasn't their decision, number three. So well done uh, to, what's her name? Carrie Burke. Carrie Burke, Burke of the Week, Plank of the Week. We'll see you next time.